Good afternoon. This is Timmy and Max here today for Stuff Things in the News. We have quite the slate today. We're going to be talking about how Donald Trump is tending a little bit towards fascism and the reaction of the rest of the Republican candidates to the Syrian refugee crisis and the Paris bombing. And then we're going to be talking a little bit out about what's going on across the country with relate to, uh, with regards to what's going on with the Black, sh- uh, the Black Lives Matter shootings and the sort of institutional racism they seem to be encountering. I'm sorry, I just printed across campus, so I'm going to be a little bit out of breath. But I'm here today with friend of the show, Max Mihalich, who's an ASUW senator. Hi, Max. Hi, thanks for having me. Sweet. All right. So first, we're going to be ten, uh, talking about how Donald Trump, as has with regards to the um, to the refugee crisis, has gone a little bit off the rails. Which, if you've been paying attention at all, Donald Trump went off the rails a long time ago, right, Max? Uh, yeah, he he's never been a candidate that I could fully support. Yeah, that's for sure. it's it's one of those things that maybe maybe um, not the in the best interest of the Republican Party. But uh, hey, you win some, you lose some, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what you get for in publicity, you you lose in credibility. I, I suppose that's the Certainly. new motto. Um, but but. Right now, he's sort of advocating for a couple policies on top of his giant wall of Mexico, which Mexico is apparently paying for. Um, he's advocating for IDing Muslims in the United States. For reference, there's about 8 million Muslims in the United States, and um, very, very few, if any of them, are radical and terrible people. Um, <laughs> and and then he's advocating for closing, of course, the United States to any refugees, which he, he's not altogether unpopular for. Only seven states in the United States left uh, have their borders open to Syrian refugees. Unfortunately, one of my home states is one of them, Idaho. <laughs> we, we have, uh, I think it's Washington, Oregon. There's a couple on the East Coast and Hawaii, which, you know, someone, someone came up to me and said, you know what? You guys can have the mainland. We're just going to move to Hawaii in a joking matter, but uh, it's one of those things that we talk about. Anyway, um, how do we how do we think that Donald Trump is going to manage to not only win the primary with this sort of uh, rhetoric, but uh, win an election? Do you? I honestly think that his entire platform is based on extreme views that a lot of extreme people with the United States identify with, and. You know, they tend to be, unfortunately, on the right scale of things. And that tends to that happens to be a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah. However, I don't see him winning the primary, um, much less the presidential election. I mean, all right. Well, we we talked with Noah on last week who um, who filled us in that Marco Rubio was hopefully the most likely most reasonable. Well, not the most reasonable, but the most likely Republican nominee to go against um, what we decided uh, was it was still a race, but definitely close to closer to Hillary Clinton than Bernie Sanders. Um Anyway, Marco Rubio similarly isn't isn't as well versed on international issues. Speaking again against, he's one of the people that's speaking out against uh, accepting Syrian refugees, which is which is definitely a huge problem. I mean, just on the topic of Syrian refugees, I can't agree with uh, with, with what some of the rights doing, uh, or at least talking about closing off uh, America to Syrian refugees, mainly because the screening process is just so immense; it takes two years for these people to uh, even come close to coming in the United States. And if those people aren't trustworthy and good people, then I have no faith in my government whatsoever. 
Yeah, especially when some of some of these countries that are accepting refugees are are you know they're they're taking extreme steps uh, to to sort of accept these people into their population. And there are so many examples of Syrian refugees sort of repaying it. There was a picture last week of a Syrian refugee in Germany handing out food to the homeless because he was given the opportunity to sort of live in this country as opposed to being being. Uh, yeah, I see a lot of pictures. Um, telling two sides of the story. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, uh, people welcoming them, welcoming them with open arms. But I also see videos of the refugees in Germany taking the food that they were being given to just try and help appease their hunger because they've been fleeing war and throwing it back in authority's face. And I, I can't really look at that and say, those are people I want coming into America, even though I know that not all of them are going to be like that. Of course, I'm uh, going to have to uh, go back to that argument of it's not everyone that's going to be bad. And, you know, with all the stringent regulations in uh, the refugee screening process in America, if one or two bad people get in, it's not going to be the end of the world because we have such great authorities that tend to react very quickly to any sort of issues that come about. That being said, um, we we saw that um, one of the one of the terrorists, which, for reference, Brussels is on high alert for terrorism right now. If you if you walk through downtown Brussels, the comparison was it looks like a Counter Strike map. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's a large number of very heavily armed military police on the on the streets of one of. Europe's most most beautiful capitals. It's one of those that's never really been affected as much by war, uh, like not culturally, but uh, architecturally. Mm -hmm. So it's it's one of those sort of cities that they're they're very much on high alert because because the people who posed as Syrian refugees managed to get an at least one person that posed as a Syrian refugee was uh, arrested in a suburb in uh, in Paris uh, in Saint Denis which is which is near, definitely near to that stadium uh, where where the bombing was or Yes, the bombing was. Um, it's that one suburb in Paris, and it's 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 sort of reverberating. Um, last week we talked about how the English um, the English national team uh, sort of stood in solidarity with uh, with the French because this is this is one of those terrorist attacks that sort of strike a chord. Now, ISIS to sort of go into this ISIS's main aim their main tenet is to establish a caliphate. Uh, a caliphate is a large sort of empire of Islamic states within or it's an empire of Islamic the Islamic world theoretically they're trying to create this caliphate in in the Middle East with um, with states in Iraq or areas in Iraq Syria definitely parts of Egypt um, and you know Israel is definitely one of those one of those places they'd like to annex eventually down the line and probably do horrible horrible things since we haven't seen since the Second World War um, to the residents of the state but their first tenant is to is to create this sort of caliphate, this sort of empire. Now, one which is ruled by Sharia law. Yeah, one which is ruled by Sharia law. One which is ruled by by deeply religious law and um, very little respect for diversity or, or for women or women and of any sort. It's it's this sort of very scary idea. Um, now there have been there have been so there has been support from various mosques around even the United States for the concept of a caliphate. 
in more of a sense of like a European Union than than sort of this just overarching empire. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I don't particularly know what these mosques are advocating for in terms of what the caliphate would be. But if it's anything with what uh, ISIS wants it to be, then obviously you would never hear any support from me. Yeah. Anything that has to do with Sharia law. It's a no, no on me. It's definitely one of those things that they aren't advocating for Sharia law. They're advocating for this sort of group to talk together. But it's it's a very the the idea of a caliphate scares scares many people because uh, a caliphate is closely connotated with uh, jihads or the conquest of Spain in the 1200s and the rise of Islam through Europe. And it's it's this very scary principle which we haven't seen in Catholicism since the end of the Crusade. Crusades when oh well, I mean at least at least the Crusades were a defensive battle line uh, against Islam. Yeah, it's sort of re reacquiring Jerusalem and the <laughs> Holy Land. So it's 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 this sort of Catholic Church that uh, you can look at Islam as a. A Catholic or sort of a its closest example is the Catholic Church that hasn't rid itself of most extremism. Now, we ha the Catholic Church as a whole does have extremism, e extremist parts uh, of um, the Catholic Church, killing in the name of God. Of course. Um, but this is this is on a far larger scale. And it's it's Islam is one of those a very large religion that hasn't rid itself of extremism. So any sort of Islamic state or caliphate, which has a con deep connotation with Islam as a religion, isn't going to isn't going to be tread very lightly around. It's one of those issues we sort of tiptoe around because it's a very scary idea. It is a very scary idea. I mean, looking at it, let's say the caliphate was formed and they actually created the government that, you know, operated within the global community and talked to other communities. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine that any UN interventions could take place at all Yeah. In, in case of human rights violations, which I'm assuming if the extreme version of the caliphate is formed, very many would be happening. Um, so, you know, I can, once again, never really support a caliphate being formed, even the non-extreme portions, because a lot of Islam can be construed as uh, radical, uh, De definitely, and there's 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 readings of the Quran that that are very radical, but it's it, the problem with Islam right now isn't the religion as a whole; it's the people that represent it, which is the same problem Christianity and Catholicism had prior. Um, the reason we as uh, uh, in the United States, respect the European Union, respect what it says, is because it has it has achieved this state of a sort of normative power. It sort of discusses what is right, discusses what you, as a as a state, as a society, should expect from your government. You should expect um, racial racial equality. You should accept. Uh, uh, Equality and general equity. Yeah, you, you should expect this sort of uh, protection from poverty. You should expect these sorts of things. So the European norm, uh, Union is sort of setting these norms for how society should function by sort of projecting its its influence across the world. The problem with the idea of a caliphate, even in the form of the European Union, um, the states that would control this sort of 
this caliphate, this union of Islamic states, would be deeply, deeply rooted in Sharia law. You would have um, the remnants of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Uh, Saudi Arabia would surely be one of those stronger stronger states. Uh, Iran is uh, Iran post nineteen sixty five or post the sixties when when the new uh, what's what's it called when the new sort of government was installed is not a very diverse place. Perhaps Tehran in the 60s was more or less fine, but it now certainly not. So you have these sort of Islamic states that aren't very aren't very diverse. They aren't very equitable. And for them to sort of display this normative power over the rest of the Islamic world, over Indonesia, over over parts of Africa, over um, over parts of the Pacific Islands, that's definitely a very scary proposition since... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I can come up with as an issue of a caliphate in the extreme version like you brought up would be rooted in, again, Sharia law, that everyone eventually would need to convert to Islam and giving them that normative power over the rest of the world and all the other Muslims in the world um, would give them cause to push towards the more radical side because, look, we've already established a caliphate. We have a base of operations. We need to make Islam the world religion. Yeah, definitely one of the goal. another one of the tenets of ISIS is to... um, to remove the sort of gray area in between believers and not believe non-believers by by creating these hostile terrorist attacks they are removing the the portion of society that either believes in Islam or like radically opposes it so they're creating this is this this what we're going into right now is this sort of it's it's what i've heard is it's the war that ISIS wants. Mm-hmm. It's the war in between Islam and the rest of the world. How how these sort of large-scale attacks inspire a, inspire a population while also ostracizing those members of society that don't belong to that population. The goal of ISIS is to remove this sort of gray area in between believers and non-believers. And that's something we should definitely be fairly worried about because even if in the best case scenario, they, or if they achieve such a thing, it'll be years and years and years of terrible, terrible attacks on the tenets of Western society. It'll be attacks on Paris, London, uh, Spain, uh, Moscow. It'll be attacks all over the world. Rest assured they would never stop. Yeah, and it's one of those things, the bigger they become as this sort of extremely extremist organization, second only to Boko Haram in Nigeria, um, the second only to them, it, it the larger they become, the scarier it is for the rest of us to sort of function properly in Western society. I mean, neither Max nor I want to walk to work and down or walk to work and suddenly a car bomb blows up because something happened somewhere and there's this one terrorist that got his hand onto some C4. Um, but we're going to take a short break. Uh, I have the obligation to tell you that our studio phone number is 206-543-7675. If you want to do it instead, call my cell. That way you won't just sort of ring. Uh, it would be a little bit awkward. Um, make sure you give us an email to mail.rainydog.org with your questions, comments, stuff like that. We have a whole bunch of talented bloggers. It's on blog.rainydog.org. I'll be posting something there soon. Um, make sure you listen to us on your phone. It's um, We have a tune-in radio app, and it's on rainydog.org as well. 
Um, you can register for Winter Quarter on your phone as well with MyUW on your cell phones and various mobile devices. I suppose an iPad would work too, maybe. I don't know if you have one of those flip phones. Does that still work with the internet? I don't. I had a friend once who had a flip phone that accessed the internet. We were all very impressed. I'm quite old. <laughs> Um, try to get into that winter course with notify.udub and if you want to study but don't like your dorm room or your roommates or your parents I suppose then uh, go to UW Space Scout it's spacescout.udub.edu and you can study in an open room make sure you like us on Facebook it's Rainy Dog Radio um, but we're going to take a short break I'm going to leave you with Jamie Foxx singing sexy words unsexy, unsexy words sexily and um, we're going to see you in a couple minutes What's up, ladies? How y'all feeling? Make some noise right now. Are you ready to hear some seriously unsexy words? Make some noise right now. That's good, because so am I. Let's do it. Mulch. Ointment. Legume. Gesticulate. Damn, that word is real long and real unsexy. Crusty, flaky. That's a nasty burger. Cheesecloth, ain't nothing sexy about cheesecloth. Squeegee, lentils, taste so good, sounds so unsexy. Goblet, eucalyptus. Porcelain. <laughs> it may have healing powers, but powers that ain't real sexy. It still ain't sexy, but here's my favorite. Floss. I said floss. Staycation. Why don't you just go on a damn vacation? Ain't nothing sexy about staycation. Let's bring this sexy unsexiness home. Roots, hit it. Sandpaper. Deodorant. Birkenstock. Lufa.
All right, that was Jamie Fa- uh, Fox on the Jimmy Fallon show. It's one of one of my favorite, you know, Jamie Fox sort of things. Uh, unless you listen to his comedy, in which case, really. Um, but we're going to talk about Bernie Sanders being introduced in Atlanta by by a a rapper, and it was it was one of this sort of like he has been gathering um, these extremely large crowds um, without without it showing. Without it showing too many results in the polls. Now, this is one of those moments that, and Max isn't going to be the best guest to have on this since Max Max Aww. is Max is a Republican. Um, but this is this is one of those moments where we're we're sitting here, and it's one of Bernie's weaker points is that he is he is relatively unknown to the black population. One of those traditional strongholds of the democratic vote. And it's, it's projected to definitely be a stronghold of the democratic vote this time around, since, you know, the Republicans are doing what they're doing. Um, I'll I'll let you have that one. Yeah. Built building walls. Isn't going to help you get the black vote max. Um, But anyway, um, so it's one of this sort of, you as a Democrat need to gain a large portion of the black vote. It's it's simply something that needs to happen. Um, but this sort of introduction in Atlanta by by Killer Mike, who was for, is from Atlanta, born and raised, is definitely this this sort of giant propo- giant uh, help towards Bernie Sanders' campaign. Because not only do it's not that Bernie Sanders is unpopular with the black vote, um, it's that he's simply unknown. And with Democrats, empirically, we'll notice that the more someone is known by by um, by the black population, the more they're going to be the more respect they're going to gain, the more votes they're going to get. So really, in this portion of the Democratic vote, it's something that Bernie Sanders really needs some help. He needs to get some knowledge based on. He needs to get some some very strong, very prominent figures in in these cities that that help him get the knowledge out about him because he he is sort of – he is played as this sort of uh, politician that gets – that gets some of the problems that the black population is facing. He he marched in the civil rights march with Martin Luther King. He 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 has been engaging in these sorts of racially equitable policies while managing a mostly white state in Vermont. Um, I'm going to play you Killer Mike's endorsement of Bernie Sanders. This was uh, yesterday evening, but give me a second. Cause I rap, this could be y'all last time seeing me Cause I got tours to go on I got jets to fly on And I ain't lie on But while I'm here I have to tell you That in my heart of hearts In my heart of hearts I truly believe That Senator Bernie Sanders Is the right man To lead this country And I believe it because he I believe it because he, unlike any other candidate, said, I would like to restore the Voter Rights Act. He, unlike any other candidate, said, I wish to end this illegal war on drugs that disproportionately targets minorities and poor. (laughs) Unlike any other candidate in my life, he says that education should be free for every citizen of this country. Make sure that wherever you go, 
Make sure that wherever you go, you take the name, the ideas, the philosophy, and the ideology of Bernie Sanders there, and you make sure when you leave, they are on fire because they have felt the burn. That was quite passionate. Right? It's one of these sorts of speeches that we look at, and it's it's these endorsements that we don't see from many politicians. We don't see a 20,000-person crowd at Heck Edmondson at UW. We don't see a 20-something person th uh, crowd in Portland. We don't see these sorts of crowds for other politicians. And yet, without showing it in the polls, Bernie Sanders is picking up some serious Traction. Traction, at least among the Democratic primary, which you, you Democrats were are definitely a little bit worried about this because this is an anti-establishment politician. This is a politician that wasn't a Democrat before he he sort of labeled himself. He he sort of started running for the Democratic primary. He was an independent re until recently. He was a Democratic socialist. He labeled himself, despite his version of Democratic socialism being just a little bit to the left of. Democrats, but it, it, a little bit more liberal. But it's it's definitely this sort of idea that uh, Bernie Sanders may may actually you know give Clinton a run for her money. He's not trailing that much in uh, in the polls in Iowa and New Hampshire, the first the first primary states, and he's he's really just you know it's one of these ideas that he's going for uh, all or nothing. Uh, it's it's. Quite inspiring, actually. This is a candidate that we looked at, and everyone wanted um, Elizabeth Warren to run against Hillary Clinton. Elizabeth Warren is a is a prominent senator from the Northeast, and she was definitely a little bit more she was definitely a little bit more prominent than Bernie Sanders around this time last year. And you know, even when I heard about Bernie running for uh, election, I was like, "All right, that." So, um, but you sort of you sort of listen to his speeches, you sort of listen to his policies, and you sort of accept the fact that he was ahead of the game on so many of these policies. He was ahead of the game on the Keystone Pipeline, which we talked about last week. He was ahead of the game on the Iraq War. He's been ahead. He's ahead of the game on education. He's on the same level as like the the social or the more European like European countries. He he believes in a free post secondary education and definitely free a single payer sort of healthcare. Single payer healthcare is if if um Max works for I don't know Microsoft and I work for Google. We can we're not paying. He's not paying into one insurance company and I'm paying into a different insurance company. And they're sort of like choosing their own doctors and sort of thing. Um, it's one insurance company paid for by in your taxes to every American citizen, and they sort of have these systems uh, in in place in most of Europe where healthcare is a is a right given to its citizens. Now. This isn't exactly a – it's the opposite of a Republican policy. Are we sort of – what do you think, Max? Oh, OK. So we're just going to jump straight into the opposition. Yeah. All right. So starting with, you know, I I much prefer Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton. OK. Um, just going to put that out there. Um, just looking at his educational policy, um, free <laughs> – I mean, it sounds great, right? Free post-secondary education for sure. everyone. It yes. sounds great. And just looking at it from a financial standpoint and from where we are in America right now, it just doesn't seem like it's something that's possible. Even if you cut all the military spending, even if you tax the top 10%, 100% of their money, you wouldn't even come close to paying for half. 
of that amount. Well, that I'm gonna cost. I'm gonna draw a small parallel, and it is a small parallel because I'm using Switzerland, which has a population of eight million instead of three hundred million. Um, but Switzerland has a university system where most of its most of the applicants to the university system are accepted, especially if you come from a higher. They have like they have a better secondary education system, so they have better high schools and they have trade schools, which Marco Rubio at uh, said was a solid plan. Um, and they'll accept most people if they apply to the university. Um, now, I'm not 100% sure on their pass-fail rate. But it's very, very high. If you take those classes, you're lucky to come out with a D. Exactly. So you, it's not, it's not like you waltz into UW here and after four years you'll get some diploma or another. This is – they'll accept – 80 or 90 percent of applicants uw is around 50 i think the pass rate is around five ten percent for a few of these universities five ten percent of the people that apply go through and they'll give you chances you're allowed to study multiple times no one's paying you to go to school so you are in effect taking taking this on a risk on your own but It's not easy. It's a way to sort of give education to everyone while also making sure only the best people, only the most suited people to to a sort of post-secondary education role are are given this post-secondary education. Uh, Switzerland has, I think, only 20% of college graduates, yet it maintains a very high educational standard because a lot of these things are taught in high schools and, and even elementary schools. We... The average amount of languages spoken in Switzerland is closer to two than it is to one. The United States is closer to zero than it is to one. But so, so let's say that everyone moved over to that system, all right? Sure. Where the classes are, I'll, I'll just say, 200 times more rigorous than they are currently. Sure. And we lose all funding <laughs> or, well, funding from uh, uh, individuals coming and paying for college. Like private. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening if uh, you all of a sudden you lose all the funding that you would have originally had to help funnel into the collegiate system to help make it better? But wouldn't you also have this increase of funding simply from taxpayer dollars? You don't have private schools. Keep that in mind. So you don't have these or you do have private schools, but that's another way to get your education. And they have this $50,000 a year. You're also getting tax dollars, which is getting funneled into the collegiate system, which you're using to make it better. Correct? Yes, somewhat. But again, going back to what I was saying earlier, it's that if we were to allow uh, the college system to be free for everyone, the amount of money that would have to go into it is far beyond anything that just simply taxing people higher could ever accomplish. Do you, do you think that we will um, will sort of – do you think that we'll – by going into this more rigorous system, by going into this system that's definitely – that weeds out some of the people that aren't willing to work or simply aren't as intelligent, um, do you think that re- weeding these people out after the first year would would – Oh, yeah, certainly. It would be a better way to go. I wish that's how it was now. Um, I, I wish uh, that the the rigor of the University of Washington was on par with... Uh, University of Chicago. Or whatever the amount of rigor is. I'm talking more about the Switzerland uh, tech schools um, because... A lot of the schools in Europe are very impressive solely because they've formulated that system. 
where uh, it's free for everyone, but only the best end up coming out. Yeah, and it's and it's not really even the system where where the best come out, and it's it's due to like it's not that the not richest. Yeah, it's not that the richest go through because they had the most money and the most resources. Because because generally this tutoring, like we have Clue tutoring here at the University of Washington, you'll have that at the uh, in like for example Eteha. It's the Electrotechnical Engineering of Zurich, which is I think it's ranked. It used to be ranked 10th out of the world university standings. Now, I would take a – if I were hiring any engineer, I would take any ETH graduate over anyone in most most of the top 10, especially considering that like six of the top 10 are uh, American university graduates. I would – there are very few graduate universities in the United States where I completely respect an undergraduate degree to the point that I believe that the – the American undergraduate degree is worth more than one from Europe. We know what that sort of system is. It's it's very rigorous. Uh, the University of Chicago, which I mentioned, copied it more or less. And you get these comments where the employers will go back to the university and be all like, this kid is a genius. He has only a 2.5. What are you kidding? He's a genius. Like he's completely ridiculous. And the University of Chicago actually had to start sending out letters to future employers saying – Listen, our grading scale isn't based on a you need you should get a four zero and that should be easy. Uh, it's based off of this is what we believe is necessary to get out of our institution with your head in your hands or your head on your neck. You should be able to represent this institution and say, listen, I achieved something by getting a two point five instead of having literally just anyone waltz into the university and be all like, eh. I can I, I memorize the book. Give me my four zero. Yeah, and and even having these sort of grading systems, these uh, for especially for competitive majors, do we honestly believe that someone with a three nine is better suited for the CS department than someone with a three three? No. Someone with a three three could. There's any number of extra things that. Could have they happened. Could be well rounded, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, They could be able to talk to people. They could have left their apartment once in a while. But you, you, you sort of lose all of that, especially considering that our university, when looking at competitive majors, it'll generally weed out people that you know are less than a three five or a three six or a three seven, which that's like a B. Are you saying that I'm not in the uh, that because I'm not in the very top ten percent of any class that I am suddenly not worth that guy who spent eighty hours in his room? I understand it shows dedication, it shows hard work, but there's also something if you're spending eighty hours in your room learning about CS and you couldn't learn it in the first forty hours of studying, there's probably something wrong. You may not be able to think as fast on your feet. You may not be able to to think creatively about a solution. You're I, I know where you're going with this. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to draw that conclusion today, Max. Don't oh, worry. All right. You may not be able to think. Um, you may not be able to think as creatively on your feet. You you may not simply be intelligent enough. And whereas someone with a three three or a three two, there are any number of circumstances which show. Listen, I didn't have time to study. Um, Hey, I have a 3.3 three in CS, but I also have a 4.0 in physics, etc. Yeah, I didn't have time to study 40, 60, 70 hours a week on CS. Because I was involved. 
Exactly. I did something on this campus. And that kid with the 4.0 is going to walk out of here, walk into a cubicle job for the next 40 years and, uh, you know, program how to multiply two numbers, which is why Microsoft Windows is as spaghetti coded as it is. Um, but, you know, you win some, you lose some. We're going to finish up sometime soon, but we're going to first talk really quick about well, things that we're going to do on campus. I should have Tyler Wu back next week or the week after that. So we're going to talk about a solely ASU dub, solely HFS. We're going to talk about housing prices in Seattle and uh, probably a little bit about the public transportation system, which is the reason I was 15 minutes late today. Um, and <laughs> we're going to talk about how how um, how expensive it is to live on this campus because with the new dorms going up on North Campus, uh, the average price – for reference, the average price to rent a one-bedroom apartment in Seattle is $1,160 per month. The, the price of a double room – that means two people sleeping in the same bedroom without a shared bathroom is just above $1,000 a month. That's two people in one room for – $2,020 a month. Um, and frankly, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, but hey, uh, we're going to talk about all that next week. This week, we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened over um, over in Chicago. Max, are you filled in? Nope. All right. Um, so last year, there was a shooting at in Chicago, and it was a shooting of a, a black kid who – who wasn't who had a knife in his hands but was walking away from a police officer now it's recently now a year later it's been released that said police officer once the kid turned away um once the kid turned away he shot the the child 16 times in the back it, it's a teenager and the the teenager was dead far before the 16th shot in fact it's been proven that the cop shot the teenager after he fell to the ground and they're charging an on-duty police officer for the first time in 35 years with first degree murder because he was shot in the back he was shot after self defense was already set up and and he was he was shot simply so many times. He was shot to the point that 16 shots is a very, very large amount. Okay. So there's – they're, they're releasing murder. <laughs> they're releasing the video sometime this week and if it – it'll – it's one of those videos that is scaring the city of Chicago. It, it could cause race riots to the point where if if this cop isn't convicted with murder, which we've seen not happen. We've seen that uh, cop in North Carolina who who shot the teenager that wasn't doing anything. We've, we've seen what happened in New York City when someone was strangled to the ground and eventually died for peddling cigarettes. Um, we, we've seen these cops get away with not – doing their jobs properly and it's it's something very scary this there is a video of this but we're yet to see it but it's one of those things that you should keep your eye out for the next week anyway we're gonna go but next up on rainy dog you're going to see ben holman do his dog days dog days wraps something it's your hour of or two hours is it an hour or two hours ben two hours Two hours of hip-hop and raps. Um, he's going to be able to tell you all about it. Um, but first, we're going to try to put something else on before he takes our stool. Thank you for coming in, Max.
You're you're an absolute delight to have every time. <laughs> I, Republican delight. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know too many Republican people, so it, it's one of those sorts of what are we going to do? Um, anyway, have a nice day, everyone. Okay. <laughs>